One Man Revolution, Volume 4, Episode 9. We're back, back again, back on a Friday night, live from the bunker. It is the One Man Revolution podcast. I am your host, the Revolutionary, and I'm joined by the Comrade and the Canadian and the Thespian and the Pragmatist. Ah, welcome aboard. It has been 57 and a half days since the current regime has taken power, and this week. Actually, today, we reached 100 million people that have gotten at least one dose of the vaccine. I'll drink to that. Yeah. Easy twist, though. Oh, that, one, that one hurt. That was, that was a tight one. <clears throat> oh, man. Yes. Sometimes you got to lube it up. <laughs> Ew. The top of then Then your beer would taste like Earl. I'm uh, I'm drinking the pineapple boots, uh, pineapple IPA, uh, because I have no beer. I have plenty of beer, but I haven't been drinking any. Uh, it was St. Patrick's Day, and so I was drinking Irish whiskey all week. You know, just you got to you, you got to pick a theme. St. Patrick's week. It was St. Patrick's week. Exactly. Uh, I had a bottle of Tillamore Dew that was aged on rum barrels. So that was a good, uh, that's a good thing. It's very nice, very f- sweet and floral. So yeah, so I'm having a pineapple IPA. Comrade, what's in your glass over there? Um, this is the, the Clyde whatever bourbon. The oh. Name, I always forget. Yeah. But it's lovely. Uh, the, this is a highlight. Ah, very good. Uh, uh, a highlight from Cigar City over in Tampa. Uh, Canadian. I'm drinking a uh, Sweetwater G13 IPA uh, 420 strain. It is a we took an already dank IPA and married it its hops with a strain of specific terpenes and natural hemp type flavor. Results as an aromatic Love super terpenes. hybrid <laughs> yeah. sticky IPA that's ready to rip. And basically, if you open this, people think you're smoking dope. That's amazing. That that's like, like, What are you drinking over there? Um. Well. I got thirsty during pre-show, so I opened a course. <laughs> uh, but I also just twisted off a cap of course. <laughs> a course a with cap. a backup Gourmet. course. Yes. Yes, yeah. yeah, in the bottle. Yes. And pragmatist, you always have something interesting. This is the paperback Raised by Wolves IPA. Whoa. It's a West Coast style IPA. It's pretty... Pretty dank. Yes, you. We all have something dank tonight. There you go. Even 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 Highly is rather dank compared to yeah. others. Yeah, I like the well, I like well, the, the can Coors, though. How is Coors dank? Uh, oh, I do like that. that it's nice can thing. art. It, it's in a twist off bottle. Oh yes. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Oh, oh man! It's yeah. it's as cold as the Rockies, right? Grip it and rip it. That's right. Are the Rockies in Colorado? In Colorado, 
Colorado. So, Colorado. So, this week... Seriously, GOP? I mean, just seriously. I just want to start yeah. there. Uh, That's a good place to start. Uh, because there are a lot of things that are going on. 42 states have legislation that have been entered into their state legislatures, not necessarily passed. I want to point that out. The news is very sensational about, uh, about, Oh, 42 States have, it's like they're, it's like a HR 127 about gun control. People here right. keep, Oh, they're going to do all this stuff. It's like, it was introduced. It hasn't been passed into law yet. Uh, you know, this is going to be a process, but they're in 42 states to show how sore loser the GOP is. GOP members entered in some form of legislation to change election uh, election laws in this country. A lot Jim of them Crow 4.0. That's a that. lot of them have to do with restricting mail in voting, <laughs> restricting mail in voting, restricting uh, non ID voting. Yep. Restricting IDs. Well, here's the thing. Uh, this can all be solved since 42 of them are trying to make law changes. This should be solved at the federal level, not at the state level at this point about federal elections. So I, Comrade. Have, I have a really simple proposal. When everyone turns 18, if you have a social security number, you're registered to vote. Done. That- Automatically. You mean automatic voter registration? Yep. What kind of communist are you? And, Wait, don't and they by do extension, with, what? Didn't they do that with the draft? Uh, they did it with the no. motor voter law in Florida. You are yeah. registered to vote in the state of Florida if you have a driver's license. I think you but, had to opt into that. But not everybody can get a driver's license. And that's the other side of it that I was going to point out. Yeah. yeah. It should be a state ID, yeah. not a driver's license. But you, it, it happens with a state ID as well. Yeah. Oh, it, a, it, a real it, ID. It yes. just <laughs> costs you money to get a state ID, Correct. which you yeah. might not be able to afford, but you shouldn't have to afford an ID in order to vote. Right. It seems so the ID silly should to me. be free. It, it seems silly to me that an ID costs money because the Social Security card is free. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, some like, of Go ahead. Some of these laws require a notarized signature right. to do an absentee ballot. Which makes no sense. And no and no voting on Sundays. Yeah. How do you, okay, tell me tell me how you do an absentee ballot as a as a military member overseas. You put it in an right. envelope and you but no, send but, it but, in. But if it requires a notarized signature and you're in South Korea on base, or, or maybe they, Ottawa has that. They would they probably have, then ensure it would have that a notary. A notary. But, well, they have but notaries on. I have a better notary. one for you, comrade. I have a better right. one for you. A lot of the, a lot of these forty-two states are saying, well, what we need is a copy of your driver's license, just a photocopy. That's not a big problem because everybody has a photocopier at home, right? What? Or at their business they work no, for? No, 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 no. no. The easiest document in the world to forge is a photocopy. I, I don't disagree, but I'm just saying that that this and is the level of lunacy that we're talking yes. about here. The, the other the other thing is, okay, so I stole your wallet. I mean, if I'm going to steal yep. your ballot, what's to keep me from stealing your wallet and taking a photo of your ID? I mean, it it, it literally adds zero security. It's no. just adding bureaucracy yep. to to the process. I mean, it it, does, it bodes well for HP. 
but and, but but it also adds an expense, right? Now yeah. you've got to find a photocopy, and if you don't have one, you have to get someplace to take a copy of your driver's license. I mean, yep. Not copies of the library aren't even free. It's right. ten cents. Like I, like, I uh, um, I know the law. I, I it's something along the lines of your right to vote shall not be infringed. Why do the gun nuts not freak out about that as much as they freak out about the Second Amendment shall not be infringed? Oh, because that's an amendment and the right to they're vote all, is in amendments. the – no, no, no. And the right to vote is in the Constitution. The amendments in the Constitution that give additional voting rights to additional people like women, uh, you know, uh, former slaves and others, those are amendments. But if you're a, if you're a land-owning male – you have in the Constitution itself the right to vote. Even under the most draconian interpretations, yeah. if you're a landowning male. Yeah. Otherwise, if you're a white male, you do, you know, under the, what, most of the 18th what, century. What if, it's, what if it's that weird, like, one square foot of land in, in um, Scotland because I bought all the Freud? You, you don't I'm a landowning land male. <laughs> you don't own land in America. America, sir. America. Yeah. And again, these are the things that they that they're trying to do to limit because they are such sore losers because of places like like Georgia, where they lost by 11,000 votes in in the state. Now, here's a funny here's a little funny story. There was a Democratic. I'm sorry. There, yeah, there was a Democratic candidate in the state of Florida that lost a state election by 32 yep. votes. Yep. And they demanded a recount and the Republican uh, this was during the former governor's uh, mm-hmm. tenure. Uh, they said, no, 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 there's no reason for a recount in there. This, this, the laws in the state say that it's fine. Uh, the Republican wins. There's an interesting point to that, though, because currently the, the campaign organizer, somebody involved in the process of organizing the Republican campaign, is under federal uh, indictment because in that election, on the ballot, the Republican, sorry, the Democrat challenger, his name was uh, Alex Rodriguez. And the Republicans allegedly hired a third party guy named Alex Rodriguez to run in the same district. And the reason why that matters is because he took about 1,500 votes. He never campaigned. Nope. He never made any statements. He never did any advertisement. He did nothing to actually present as a candidate other than having the exact same name as a Democratic candidate. And the Democratic candidate only lost by 30 votes. Yeah. And potentially he could have had another 1,100. Yeah. So what you're saying is I did a smart thing by not changing my name to Earl K. Wood back in the (laughs) 90s. (laughs) But that's the thing. If all it takes to hack the election is to put someone on the ballot with the exact same name as the other person. Mm -hmm. And even if they say, oh, well, my name is, is, uh, is Earl Wood. And your name is Earl K. Wood. Nothing against Earl K. Wood. He was a great comptroller for the, for Orange, Orange County. But he, he was like for 80 years. Yeah, for 80 years. Uh, that's why I say he was great because I, you had to write your checks to him too. That was uh, comptroller of Orange County, Earl K. Wood. But if I would have run as Earl Wood and gotten a bunch of votes away from Earl K. And then the third candidate would have won – that yep. would have literally been because we had two people with the same name on there, even yeah. though there was a, a an initial on there. Now, to be clear, yeah, having the same name as another person on your ballot is not illegal. Hmm. The problem is when uh, the one of the opponents in that ballot hires you <laughs> to exist on that ballot with the same name, which is what happened here. And well, you don't actually run then. Well, he yes, 
He was technically registered as a candidate, which is all you need to do. Yeah. Right? Um, but there was no campaigning activity, yada, yada. Now, what I think is really fascinating about this is the Republicans are all up in arms, 42 states in. No mail-in ballots. Everyone invests in HP stock. Like, uh, I like the stock. Uh, it's one of those things. Um, apparently, you know, election rigging is cool as long as you're winning. Uh, but no. the moment the moment you're losing, election rigging is is the only way you could possibly lose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, we, it's we, wild. We need to do a whole show on uh, uh, electioneering, Repub- Republican hypocrisy. But uh, that's no, that is the whole show. Are we gonna? We're gonna say is is one of the interesting things they're doing is uh, in restricting mail-in voting. The reason why Georgia had mail-in voting, and the reason why Florida has mail-in voting, and a lot of Southern conservative states have mail-in voting is because old white people use it to vote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you restrict mail-in voting and make it hard for old white people to vote, you're going to cut down on that vote as well. So literally, they expanded their base by allowing mail-in voting. Mm-hmm. And it's only the pandemic that forced more, yeah. more liberal people to adopt mail-in voting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now they realize that can, sword can cut both ways, so they're going to get rid of it. But they, they're going to affect their base who are used to using it for the last 20 years. But the yeah. fun part about all of this is the, the Republican Party is, is known for not understanding unintended consequences. Yeah. Or history. Or history or anything else along those lines. They love to stand or up and, and, and that's where the hypocrisy comes from. Right. You know, yeah. you, have, you have, you know, we, there is currently, it's HR1 on voting it is a current piece of legislation that is it passed through the house and it's going to the senate and the senate hopefully will you know mitch mcconnell of course stood up and said oh i'm gonna i'm gonna oppose this and and uh if y'all take away the uh filibuster i'm gonna i'm gonna burn that what did he say burn the uh Burn the ground. Uh, burn the Armageddon in the Senate. That's what it was. Armageddon in the Senate. You know. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Republicans voted for it in the House, right? Yeah. Uh, they want, no. They want voting right. Um, <laughs> no. And, and they also they also uh, uh, passed the, the re-upped the the um, what is it the Violence Against Women Act. This yes. Week. Except for there were not a single Republican voted for. Not a single. There, there were there were like ten. Republicans. Oh, wow. Okay. There 172 voted against it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and one Democrat did also go against the party. But but the thing is with that, it's they don't care about women, especially. Uh, and and I, I'm surprised that we didn't hear Jim Jeffries. That's his name, right? The 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 the, the wrestling diddler. Right. No, no, that's Jim Jeffries. Is Jim, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan. The uh, the the wrestling diddler. We're just going to. Yeah, that's a, uh He. I'm surprised we're not having him stand up in the house and saying things like, well, we, we can't have uh, we can't have women on there because we, I thought we weren't doing things with gender in the house. I, Nancy Pelosi said there are no genders, blah, blah, you know, I mean, we can't have mother daughter on this. Why are we doing a women's act, you know, and throwing his arms up saying that the Democrats are being, uh, you know, are being they, hypocritical. They're not smart enough to make that. Answer. No, they're so, too busy sitting in the is sitting in the house uh, complaining about Dr. Seuss and Pepe Le Pew and you know and and other cartoon characters and and potatoes without gender. Yeah, so I'm reading scorched earth. Scorched, scorched earth. earth. That's the word. Yeah, yeah scorched earth. 
Yeah. So I have two things. Yes. Um, I'm reading up a little bit on the Violence Against Women Act as, as it existed originally in the 90s. Uh, to which our president, Joseph R. Biden, was a huge proponent of and actually sure. was a key member of, of getting that Violence Against Women Act sure. originally created. So, yeah, I'm reading about it. Uh, it's, it's interesting how there's like mandatory minimums and things like that, which is a bit bad. Um, but in general, I, I like the idea behind it and what it's trying to do. So I'm really curious what the counter arguments are. Well, I want to beat my wife. No, no, no <laughs> the counter argument. That, first of all, it, it, it goes back to my, my soapbox on, on the, the filibuster, right? Yeah. Um, Republicans don't want to legislate. They only know how to obstruct. Yeah. Modern so Republicans. It, yeah. it doesn't matter what you're passing. They're going to vote against it because that's all they know. And when they are in power, how many bills did they pass? Like 20. Nothing. Because they yeah. don't know how to legislate. They don't know how to do that. So get rid of the filibuster. Republicans get in power. They're not going to do shit because they don't know how. Yeah. They'll pass a bunch of tax cuts. That'll well, be it. Okay, so, yeah, that didn't answer my first question, but it did bring up my second point, which is this, that Mitch McConnell is promising something he already has been delivering on. So for, for 16 years, yeah. Yeah, it's nothing new. And, and, and I love this idea that the Republicans think they're winning some sort of moral fight by preventing legislation from being passed mm -hmm. when, you know, much, much like the Republicans did when, when President Trump, uh, the former president was, was in office. Oh, uh, you did say his name. I did, no, not. He did not. He didn't. He didn't finish. I didn't finish it. During during the previous administration, the the GOP completely understood that the Democrats would march in step with them on very specific uh, uh, legislation like the CARES Act, yeah, which passed with flying colors. Never mind all of the crazy tax reliefs and horrible PPP implement implementations. Blah blah blah. The Democrats knew that those things were necessary to also ensure that uh, Americans that needed help got help. Right. Right. That's what happened. They voted for helping Americans this time around because they're because, number one, it was proposed by the Democrats. And number two, it didn't have any of the corporate chill crap. Not a single Republican voted to help Americans this time around, nope. which which shows that it, truly it is nothing to do with policy choices or the end goal or, or, or what the purpose behind the bill is. All they do is vote in lockstep against Democrats. Well, when that's I it, say that's all it is. when I say Republicans, a lot of people, a lot of the people that we think of are the flag waving country folk that just love America. They what they Can see I, themselves. Hold on, they see themselves as patriots. So the ones in rural America that see themselves as patriots. If you ask them, you know, what party do you belong to, they're going to say Republican Party. It's just it's just the way it is. But here's the thing: this week. The, 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 there was, a, re, there was a, a piece of legislation that went through to recognize the House, I'm sorry, the, uh, the, the Washington, uh, what are they called? The police. The Capitol. The Capitol Police. And recognize oh, them yeah. and give them medals. Okay, basically right. saying that they defended and they did a great job. Mm -hmm. Twelve Republicans still didn't vote for that. Voted against it. They voted against it. They, Good. Yeah, they didn't like the the use of the term insurrection. Yes. Is that <laughs> what it was? Yes. They want. Yeah. They wanted to refer to it as the events of January sixth. Yeah. Yeah. 
So when we, so before the insurrection, didn't want to be labeled it, right? Because then it gets into the record as that there was an insurrection. That's how. That's probably what it was. Deciding he didn't want his name, (laughs) but then switching back to Prince. But he could pass his own laws about himself. So that was right. Go ahead, Canadian. Your hands up. Um, My point was that starting with uh, former President Obama. The Republicans have taken this stance that the way to make to get rid of Democratic successes is to obstruct everything they do. Yep. So it doesn't. That's my point. It doesn't matter what Democrats are going to do. There will be no bipartisanship mm-hmm. from respect of people in Congress working together. In fact, they don't even talk to. They don't even mm-hmm. like each other. They they the they simply are trying to own the the libs by getting in their way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for that reason alone, we need to break that logjam and quit working with them and just do the and consequences four years from now or two years from now may be great, but it'll be four years because we'll have a Democratic president who can veto stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it may come down to eventually we get a fully Republican owned, but then they will own the legislation they pass and they don't want that responsibility. <laughs> That's why they really got nothing passed during the former administration. Right. Because they, they were like, you're in fully full of control. And it's like, but what do we do now? Yeah, we don't know what, we to, know do. what to do. Pragmatist. We'll pack Pragmatist. That's what we did. Well, I just wanted to add to this. There's, there's nothing in the Constitution about a filibuster. No. Mm-mm. It's tradition. It's nothing more than at some point, some white Southerner went, I'm just going to keep talking so that we don't even get around to voting on it. And then they changed it to a wholly symbolic gesture. So I, I liked Joe Biden's um, idea to make it a, uh, you want to filibuster? Then you're going to have to stand up there and filibuster. Yeah. Actually the, filibuster. The filibuster is an accident. Mm-hmm. And it's Aaron Burr's fault. That's yep. how far back it goes. Because he was vice president. And he had to overlook the rules of the Senate, which they copied from the House. So it was supposed to be a 50% majority, 51% majority. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is complicated throughout like half of the rules. And basically said, yeah, Senate, you make your own rules. So there was no thing that said how you handle debate. So a single senator could stop the whole process. Yeah. And that happened in World War One. People, six guys stopped the whole process, and that's where they came up with this compromise of two-thirds, because at the time they had 94. Um, <laughs> and then that became a little onerous, and they came up with 60. And by the way, we won't. they used to stop the Senate, and I think it needs to stop the Senate now as well. Um, maybe make an exception for appointments and judges, but everything else stops. But now you can filibuster, and as long as you filibuster... You have a second track where you can do other business. If we if we make it a talking filibuster and you stop the Senate, then people will not do it. Unless unless it's really important. Unless it's important. Yeah. 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 And and again, the filibuster didn't actually happen where someone stood up and did that. And and the majority of the filibusters, by the way, started during the civil rights movement. Right. I mean, that's when they happened. You know, the 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 white power structure was so scared that their power was going to be given a given away to the people of color that they were standing up and standing up. And if you look at a graph of these things, and I, I looked at this data, um, you know, on, you had shared a bunch of articles. So I did some digging and it just shows 
all there were no filibusters, no filibusters. Then suddenly all of the filibusters at one time. Yeah. Um, Pragmatist, you were first and then we'll go to. Hey, I was just going to say somehow people need to be re-educated re because they think that if something good is done for one group, it somehow denigrates another. And that's really, it, there's like a balance of, of good stuff that can happen. Like, you know, we lift people up to equality, then that means we have to deprecate ourselves. That's, that's ridiculous. It's and, ridiculous uh, Luddite thinking. And that's the, that's the concept where you either, there, there's this weird dichotomy that Republicans do subscribe to. It's the, it's the law of scarcity, mm. that everything is scarce, that all resources are scarce, you know, and they treat their children that way. They, you know, which child do you love more? It's like, well, love is a, an ethereal thing. There's no number on this. I love my children, period. You know, except for Eric. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, and Tiffany. Uh, but, but there's this thing where, uh, you, you know, love any of them. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yourself. That's true. It's, it's only, all only whichever one's holding a mirror forward. Right, right, right. It, it, but the idea what here you is get out of them that, yeah. that she shows some So if you look at it on the uh, other side fighting. of that, you know, and I grew up in a I grew up in a in a small town outside of uh, you know, of a city. And we would go shopping and we'd worry about like, you know, weather events and things like that. But we always knew, you know, we had this abundance of food in the house that was stored because there could be a problem where we couldn't get food, you know, weather issue, travel issue, something. But a lot of people who live in cities don't see it that way. They see it as if I don't get that, then someone else is going to get that thing off the shelf and then the shelf will be empty because of the way that the demand occurs. You know, that, that if you walk into the store that the shelf, but America is a land of abundance, and a lot of these people don't see the abundance because they go to the one shelf of the one product that they want and that one product isn't there. So now everything is everything is off and that and everything is scarce and everything is ruined. Ruined. Comrade, you had your hand up. Yep. Uh, Canadian had his hand up then. So I was I was gonna go back. I mean, we we went down a, a, a side road. Um, that never to, happens on this show. To uh, the the Republican Party, sort of being the party of obstruction and and not a party of leadership, and you see that because of the way they treat everything that that is from this administration with scorn and and, and skepticism. Like we have we have a doctor. There's probably a couple of doctors in the Senate uh, by the name of Rand Paul. And Rand Paul was talking, he's an ophthalmologist, and he was talking with Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's an infectious disease expert, I, I, I questioning, wanted... questioning his judgment and recommendations, because it's theater. It's, and, and it's like, dude, you are causing harm here. Uh, Simply to own the lips. That's what you're doing. It's, they, I, I, it's awful. And that's the Republican Party. Yeah, I and, think I think at this point it's not. Well, we we it it has. There's been a core shift since the uh, the previous administration of power, where the Republican Party doesn't exist. No, what exists is right wing cultural trends, and those right wing cultural trends are then embodied by the sitting legislatives under the GOP banner, 
And, and I think that distinction is really important because, you know, if they clearly don't have the ability to lead and pass meaningful legislation, they have to get their identity from somewhere. And what they get their identity from is QAnon right wing 4chan bullshit. Yeah. And whatever whatever comes from that cesspool and filters down through Boomer Facebook makes its way to Washington, and that's their new position on XYZ stuff. Correct. Uh, pragmatist. Uh, unfortunately, the description, comrade, that you just gave of what the Republican Party is, is what the Republican Party is going to continue to be from this point forward. Right. A lot of the old school guys had called it and said, okay, we had an opportunity. You know, Mitch could have taken this uh, orange mm -hmm. turd out, but he did not. So now in order to get these people to play with us, you know, so these older guys are going, I'm done. And they're just going to wash their hands of the party. And unfortunately, it's going to swing hard fascist right So uh, in, the, in the next election. I'm actually very happy about that because uh, what I don't like is you know, trash like Graham and uh, uh, the turtle uh, pretending like they represent some level of moral high ground or, you know, real red blooded America. Like they, they don't represent that. They haven't in a very long time. They've completely lost touch. I'm very okay with the Republican party embracing the cancer that they are and, and, and not pretending anymore because if, if they, swing hard to the right like they really want to and they want to go and they are they are right but they want to go harder right like scary levels of right there has to be a reckoning and i don't know if the reckoning comes from the democratic party as a whole kind of doing that meeting them halfway thing and then splitting because there are progressives or if the republican party loses a following because there are people who see the writing on the wall and want a moderate centrist party which really is what the democrats are right now yeah. Um, so I, I think the end result is uh, the significant shift in the balance of American politics. And I'm hoping that that shift results in greater representation of the American people, because right now we do not have that in Washington. I want to I want to address a comment in the uh, in in the chat right now. Uh, the Canadian brought up Dr. Anthony Fauci's discussion, uh, actually his questioning by Rand Paul in, in the, in the Senate, in a Senate hearing and Rand Paul, de he berated, he was very condescending of Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is literally the leading expert on infectious diseases in the United States right now. Uh, he fought long and hard during the AIDS crisis to find a cocktail that would treat uh, and stop the spread of AIDS. And he was responsible for what we have today, which is a very limited spread of AIDS. All right. There was other things that did that. Dr. Anthony Fauci, who has been vaccinated, uh, wears two masks and he, and he is setting an example for the American people. This is not theater. This is not some form of scare tactic from the left. This is a medical professional setting a good example for the American people. Now, when Dr. Fa Anthony Fauci was questioned by Rand Paul, Rand Paul kept quoting facts 
And Steve in the chat says these, you know, he was saying facts and Anthony Fauci had no facts to discuss. Well, every time Dr. Anthony Fauci would try and say something, Rand Paul would interrupt him and say, well, you have nothing to back you up. You have nothing to back you up. And all Fox and other outlets are playing right now are Rand Paul saying you have no facts to to, to back this up. So I saw the part after that where the person who was the chair of this committee asked Dr. Fauci a few questions, and Dr. Fauci finally had the ability to then finish a sentence. And his finishing of the sentence was, you know, setting an example is not theater. Wearing a mask actually protects others because I, can, I cannot get the virus. I am very unlikely to get the virus because I am immunized against it. But I could still spread it because there are no studies that show that I cannot spread the disease, even though I'm inoculated against it. All right. So Rand Paul sat there and berated and berated and berated. And Anthony Fauci just did what he, you know, he saw he's he is a clinical professional with 40 years or more in clinical. And he's like, I'm just not going to sit here and, and argue with you, whatever you have to say. So go ahead, comrade. Unfortunately, uh, revolutionary, the one aspect of, of this particular issue that you're forgetting is uh, people like Steve yeah. um, only acknowledge the facts that make them feel good at the end of the day and facts that make them feel good are the facts that support their preconceived notions about the world, which is to say not fact, but rather the omission of the whole truth of an issue. Uh, the heat that Fauci and a lot of others who have been beating the drum of public health and safety for a year now forget is that it doesn't take a lot of effort to do your best to help prevent the spread of things. And science is constantly evolving. We knew one thing in May of last year. We knew a different thing in September of last year. We knew a new thing in December. That's how science works. We all just happen to experience it in real time. And that shit sucks. So just because you can quote a fact from April, no, you don't, Steve, just because you quote a fact from April as evidence that a fact in September is not true shows you don't understand the scientific process. It's as simple as that. Canadian. I mean, yes, I agree with everything the comrade said. The point being is that Rand Paul didn't have facts either. He had suppositions. He had innuendo. He had prove to me this is correct. And that's not how this works, right? Um, We all have been in relationships. We have all dated people. And when you start dating someone, you have a notion on how to continue. And as you build that relationship, that notion changes over time. We all do it. We do it with everything we do. It's called learning. Learning how to treat and track a new infectious disease is similar. There are a bunch of things we know work, right? There's a bunch of things we know we need to do to protect people. But over time, we we adapt to how the disease spreads and how it uh, mutates and what those mutations do. And, and the whole point of Dr. Anthony Fauci's double masking, setting an example for people is that we don't know, first of all, how vaccinated people are going to respond to new mutations. Yep. So I may not be sick, but I may be spreading. We don't know. And because you may kill somebody with this, it is better to wear the mask 
than not. Yeah. And and safer for the people around you and yourself to do it. It and, and this it's is common a, sense. And as you just said, this is a very complicated issue. And Dr. Fauci tried to explain to to, to Rand Paul that there's this variant that is in this state. There's another variant that is in this state. There are two variants in this state. There are these, and all Rand Paul wanted to hear was a yes or no answer. And that's it. And, you know, the most up-to-date information, as Steve just said, well, Dr. Fauci should have the most up-to-date information. And the answer is he does have that, but try to explain it to someone that wants a yes or a no answer. And if all you're looking for is a simple answer to a complex question, I'm going to throw up two middle fingers at you and say, look, I'm going to try and explain it to you and you're going to, and you're going to blockade me. And then I'm going to try and explain it to you and you're going to blockade me. Eventually I'm just going to go, I can't explain this to you because you are unwilling to hear, even if you listen to everything, you're unwilling to hear what I'm, what, what a person is saying who is the expert. You know, and it drives me absolutely crazy when I see people. It's like, well, and Steve's come a long way. Steve's listening to the show. So he has come a long way. He's come a long way from where he started and our arguments that started a long time ago with I posted something about the former president and he would support a bunch of stuff. And now it's to the point where at least I mean, he he know he by the time the election happened. Uh, he was not doing that any longer. So he's come a long way. So I'm going to give him credit for that. But you're still fighting the fight that is the battle that I don't understand why you're fighting that battle. You don't want to wear a mask? I mean, you tell me all the time that you wear masks, that that's not the problem. So uh, if we don't know, we don't know. And people are uncomfortable on the right, it seems, with an I don't know. Comrade, you were, you've been waiting patiently. Yeah, Um so you you hit on basically the core of what I was going to say next was which is that uh, like many other things going on in, in the modern context there is no black and white answer there are shades of gray and great levels of nuance that require significant amounts of understanding yeah. to come to terms with what the answer may or may not be but on top of that a lot of what's happening right now is the forced <laughs> rhetoric that was put on issues that are not partisan that are not right left, that are not Republican Democrat. They are American. They are human. They are purely for the good of each other things. And we had a piece of shit in office for four years that made things like this fucking racist. Yeah. How the, mm, how do you make a virus a race problem? How do you make a virus a right-left problem? How do you find a way to make the, the topic of public safety so convoluted that wearing a face mask or not wearing a face mask is now considered identity politics? Yeah. Get off your high horse, come down back to earth, understand the reality. Steve's talking about his health, his his health concerns. But Absolutely. here's my favorite on here's this one. Thing. No, no, no. Yeah. No, no. Go ahead, go no. ahead, go ahead. Here's the thing. Yeah. The reason why we are so adamant that you listen to people like Dr. Fauci, not idiots like Rand Paul, is because Dr. Fauci is preaching things that we all should be doing to protect people like you, Steve. That's who this is for. He answered his own question at the beginning of the question, though. He answered his own question. He says, I wear a mask every day. I've worked every day since in the public as an essential worker. And then he lists some some health concerns. And he's like, how have I not caught it? You wear a mask every day. That's how you didn't catch it. Yep. I mean, that is the whole thing. Comrade, hey, go ahead. Hold on, hold on. Oh. We do need to, we need, to, I'm sorry to jump in. We need to also emphasize 
that wearing the mask doesn't prevent you from catching it. It prevents you from spreading it. So if he's around other people who are also doing the same thing in his workplace, that's how he hasn't caught it. Right. Okay, right. sorry. Canadian. No, com- comrade was in the middle. It was in the middle. I just wanted to call that one. Nope, you're good. Oh, well, sorry, I agree about the racism part. So I think it got derailed. Yeah, I'm um, sorry. Yeah, I mean that, that clearly Steve already knows. Yeah, the, the the point is is if you if you if you believe in the virus, right? If you if you're if you're not somebody who denies that it exists, right? Then you know that it can be devastating to people and the people that you interact with and maybe the people you care about. And if that's the case, if you care about people, wear a mask. That's how you protect them. That's what keeps people safer. It doesn't, it's not 100% effective, but as Steve has pointed out, he hasn't caught it yet. Yep. Likely because he's being cautious and protective. Um, mask and distance reduces your, your chance of getting it by a large degree. And that's what's important. And, and it's simple. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a political statement. It's not an indoctrination. It is, it is public health. And that's where we're at. And the comrade touched on a very important point. You know, we had a man in the White House who, who called this ev- monthly, I mean, weekly in, in tweets, daily sometimes in tweets. He called it a virus from a particular country. He called it the Kung Flu. He called it by racial names. And violence against Asians is up 149%. Yeah. And, okay. And I, in, I, in this country. And, and horrible things have happened because of it. We'll get into that in a minute. Go ahead, Canadian. I, I, I wanted to finish. Uh, the, the comrade called the former president a piece of shit. And I think we can find a better acronym. I think if we call him a piece of total unadulterated shit, we could call him POTUS. But he's no longer, he's no longer That's deserving of that title. for the GOP to understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And what led directly to... And, and I love these people that are saying that what happened in Atlanta this week was not related to an anti-Asian, uh, you know, a, it was, to an anti-Asian sentiment that was brought up by uh, the former president for, me, for literally a year. And by the way, he said it last week mm-hmm. when he said people should get vaccinated against the China virus. That was in a public statement. Last week, you know, so it drives me crazy when people are like, oh, well, the president, he used to say that, but, you know, he still says it. He's still he's still being a racist piece of shit. All right. When it comes to that. All right. So what and then when we have this individual uh, in Atlanta who goes into massage parlors and kills, was it eight people? Eight people. Eight people. Uh, Six of them were Asian American. Uh, Nine people. Is it nine? Eight or nine? It's eight. Okay. Eight. Um, and six of them were Asians, were Asian Americans. Uh, and a few, and two of them were just people that were stand, were, were stand, were standby. And, uh, I got into a big argument online about this again, arguments I got into this week, uh, where it's like, oh no, no. Uh, the shooter says, I'm sorry, let me back that up. The murderer says that, oh no, they have a sex addiction. And the 
police commissioner. What was he? The uh, was he a police commissioner? He was a police chief. The police of chief Cherokee of Cherokee County uh, steps forward and says he had a sex addiction and he had a very bad day. Go ahead, Despian. Um, the article I read said that the family actually mentioned that he had the sex addiction. Now, I want to add a quick survey of the gentleman in the room. I don't mean to be sexist, but I'm going to ask that. Uh, can you name uh, one uh, Asian massage parlor in your area? No. See, um, I just want to point that out, uh, that this guy went to three of them so, and, ki- uh, and killed uh, people there. Yeah, so the first one um, actually was in the town next to where I grew up, like right there. Um, and I have family that lives right there. And uh, I I had not never heard of of them, uh, but it just it it hits home a little bit harder just knowing that it was right there. I know people who still live in that area, like. I don't, I, when they say it, was it a massage parlor or was it, I I thought they always said spa. I thought they were using the word spa. What does that necessarily? That's a generic term to make it easy for everyone to understand what they're talking about. Yeah. So I I think, I think here, um, the most important aspect of this story, I should say second most important aspect of the story, because the first most is the fact that this is a hate crime. Yeah. Uh, the second most important aspect of the story is you had an armed man on a killing spree brought in uh, comfortably, peacefully, yep. Yep. and with no conflict by the police. Nope. Uh, yeah, it's because he was white. Yeah, at the same time when yeah. you know they're spending three weeks doing jury selection in the death of George Floyd. You know, if for, for one of the people, for the man that had his knee in a video on George Floyd's necks for three minutes, for, I'm sorry, eight minutes and 34 eight seconds. Eight minutes and 48 seconds. 48 seconds. seconds. 49 seconds. I, I do believe body cam footage, actually, uh, it's nine minutes and 30 seconds. There you go. Real. So uh, for, for nearly 10, let, here, let's, uh, let's call it nearly 10 minutes, you know, holding a man down by his neck for nearly 10 minutes. And we're even questioning what happened when there is video of it, you know, from the body cam, from the police officer themselves and the, and the, and the surrounding police officers. So that's ridiculous. And like I said, we're spending three weeks selecting a jury. If that's not white privilege, I don't know what there is. And white privilege is also this incel neckbeard who is going around, you know, and killing people at a at, at massage parlors because he had gone there in the past, you know, to get a, a massage and release, you know, uh, and then he comes back to them. And I'm sorry, sex addiction ruins relationships. Sex addiction addiction is self destructive. It is incredibly rare that sex addiction leads to violence against people who are not involved. Canadian. Uh, it's incel ne- neck fuzz. Neck fuzz. I'm sorry. Yeah, he doesn't um, have a beard. And we talked about this. We did and, talk about uh, this. The the other, but yeah, I mean that that's sort of where I was going, right? It's actually people with who have sex addictions. Um, it's generally very destructive, but they don't go kill people, right? So so there's this this act of murder that took place. 
as a as a as an action against Asian people because he didn't go into the non-Asian spas right next door and shoot people. Correct. He went into the Asian spas and killed people who were there. Yeah. Um, it, his hate was directed at Asians and whether it was driven by his hypersexualization of Asian women and his sex addiction, or he just hates Asians, it's really hard to tell, but it doesn't make any difference. It's still a racist crime. Well, Canadian, it's, it's easier to kill something that you don't consider equal to you. Exactly. So if you, if you consider, if you are a racist person, and if you are a person that has a predilection about another race, it's much easier to deal with that other race in that violent manner than it is if they were, you know, if you considered them the same as you. So, yeah. So when people are sitting there saying, oh, this isn't a hate crime, this isn't a race crime. Uh, also remember that 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 police chief, that police commissioner or whoever it was, he has he has photographs uh, on his Facebook that were uh, promoting the China virus uh, during the former administration. So and that's and that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah, is uh, we we're going to spend a long time trying to get out of the shadow of the 45th administration because uh, they created so many broad repercussions and they 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 enabled so many people like this piece of shit to feel justified in their hate to feel that their their bigotry their racism their homophobia their whatever was actually justified and they were correct in feeling that way that's the legacy that we are dealing with. And he, and, and he did it in four years. Yeah. Like, and, and it's, and he started right off with it with Charlottesville too, because we now have an entire news station devoted to his every whim. Yeah. And that legacy will, will remain. He, his loss and in the election solidified him as a martyr to the right wing incels. Yeah. He became a symbol greater than anything he ever could be merely because now everyone has a way to point to a thing and say something was stolen from him. And now it is my opportunity to stand up and show him that I truly am as good as he thought I could be. But what it was, comrade, is it's that it's that uh, reflection of him. He had something right. taken from him. I had something taken from that's, me. That's, that's exactly what I'm yeah, saying. It's that reflection. Uh, pragmatist, because you've been patient. Canadian, I'll get right back to you. I just wanted to point out that uh, more disheartening than the what the person who headed up the previous administration brought to the table was the the revelation that underneath that thin veneer of godliness and whatever on the right, those that boiling hatred, misogyny, uh, just evil, evil was there all along. And all he did was make it okay for, for us to see that. Oh. Yeah. yeah I, I, I was going to bring up a, same, a similar point when the comrade mentioned that, you know, it only took four years to bring this up. It's actually the, the Republican Party has been fostering this for eight years, or the previous eight years, when, oh, uh, yeah. when President Obama became, and we had the Tea Party, and all of that uh, stopped. Stop the black man from being successful. The the undertones of racism were pumped into that party, and they lit that fire. Yes. No, I, I wasn't the, saying that these things were new. I was just saying that we had somebody who enabled them. The uh, orange, uh, the orange 
piece of shit just <laughs> threw gas on it. Opaz? Opaz. Opaz. I like Opaz. Opaz is good. Opaz. 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 Threw gasoline on it and and just made it burn out of control. Yeah, it made it made it okay for people to admit that they harbored these feelings. Yeah, yeah, and and express them openly. Yeah, and do try to act on them and hurt people in the process. Yeah, I so uh, a friend of mine made a post on Facebook. You know, uh, to to the extent that you know this is the the most racist moment in american history which is, <laughs> it's it's a stretch that's a big stretch slaves, but <laughs> that's a big stretch. From, from the context of modern america you know mm-hmm. a, a post a post civil rights act america this is probably the most racist we've ever been but i also know that the loudest screams come from a dying beast yeah so i think that what we're seeing here and this is the optimism to me that we are looking at the death knells of true outspoken racism in America. I'm really hoping that what this is, is the, the most vocal of the minority truly being squeezed and feeling like they must stand up for themselves or die. And I really hope that this is the final generation of this ideology from, from a widespread standpoint. You're, you're always going to have, uh, for lack of a better way to put this, mild racism on the internet. You're always going to have people using terminologies and referencing each other in ways they shouldn't. But I don't think that those things necessarily manifest in outward murder and widespread violence against a specific group. I think that this may be the very last generation where this is actually a problem. We can hope. We Canadian. Can hope. I mean, I think, I think we've ex- Exposed how bad the problem is. Yep. I mean, I I'm old enough to remember where one of the sm- supposedly smartest people in in government said, "Yeah, racism doesn't exist anymore. We can get rid of the Voting Rights Act." Um, uh, and and uh, but it it was simply managed, right? It was not okay to be overtly racist. Yeah. And so it was people relied on the systemic racism. I'm going to get ahead of the other guy and and that and and through the GOP and Obama and through the the opus of what opas 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 I even said it made it up and I can't <laughs> it. um uh it's just it's it's exposed how deep that wound is and and I think there's a lot of a lot of reconciliation that has to happen with ourselves to, to, to heal the wound, but we know it's there and therefore we can now deal with it. But let's face it, Canadian. One of the things that's going on right now in the state of Florida is we have uh, legislation working its way through our state legislation that our governor backs good old Ron death sentence. Um, he would like uh, to have educators, investigated for what they're saying in their classrooms uh, because they, because he is afraid he has, he has signed on to the idea that there is an indoctrination occurring that is removing the real story of America and replacing it with the story of America that shows that America isn't perfect. Yeah. Now, the first thing that President Biden did, one of the first things he did when he walked in, was to remove 
the curriculum, the 1776 curriculum that was being pushed forward, the freedom curriculum that was being pushed forward by the former president. Uh, but that didn't change what a lot of these real dyed in the wool uh, members of his tribe want to have happen. And so right now in the Florida legislature, there is information there. I mean, it's, it's been circulated by uh, the administration and union for my state run uh, university uh, saying, please look into these things, just look into them. And whenever I hear something like, just go look into them, I'm like, they're saying quick, (laughs) call somebody. This is horrible. Uh, because we're not supposed to talk politics uh, as as members of, which is again probably why Ron Death Sentence would like us uh, all, you know, fired from our positions, uh, because we refuse to just roll over and say, "Oh, this is." You say that slavery was was good for the slaves. Okay, I guess we have to teach that now and move it forward. Uh, but that's not what we should be doing. We should be teaching the reality of things, not the story of America. Comrade. So the education question is an interesting one because I grew up hearing about how horrible and liberal schools, education centers, universities were and how they're just Mm -hmm. anti-American. We've mentioned this on the show in the past, uh, not not to spend too long on this particular point, but anti-American simply means you disagree with the right wing. (laughs) Um, because if you don't like the right-wing America, you don't like America, which is horseshit. But uh, the point of a good education is not indoctrination, but rather a challenge of the status quo. That's a good education. So if the status quo is right-wing, a good education should then propose also the left-wing. If the status quo is progressive everything, wicked socialism, blah, 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 the the, the education should also present an alternative to that. Uh, But the most important aspect of a rounded education is an understanding of historical impact on culture. That's the most important aspect of any real education. If you want a real education, you need to understand where you're coming from, why things happened the way they did, and what that means going forward. Uh, We, unfortunately, have been in the most historically significant series of 21 years this country has ever seen outside of maybe the civil war. Uh, It is wild what the internet has done to this country and where we are going. And the one thing that seems to hold true in all of this is you either accept the revisionist history of the right wing on the, on the myth of America, or you challenge the status quo and you think back on what the reality of things might've been and how we can learn from that and not hate the idea of this country at the same time. Yeah. It's possible to do. And it's what America is too, uh, Canadian. So the, the most important thing in education is understanding uh, whatever it was the comrade said about your culture and where you come from and critically. The two most important things that you get from education is understanding where your culture comes from and critical thinking Mm -hmm. to be able to make, take bits of information and decide for yourself where the truth lies in that information or what the situation was. Um, And and I'll get to to the other guys, but I have another point. History has long been whitewashed in our education system. Not in my generation. I, knew that there was slavery. That was it. 
I didn't know anything about slavery. I knew there was an underground railroad. That was it. I didn't know anything about it. I never learned it. I learned battles and generals and dates and presidents. I knew we moved west and there were Native Americans and we had some skirmishes. I didn't learn anything about that. You didn't learn about the genocide of the indigenous population of America. I did not learn about it. And, And to me, if you don't learn it, if you don't understand it, if you don't know the truth of American history, which is not all sunshine and roses, then you don't you have a, a, a real opportunity to reproduce it. Yep. And, and that's where the truth in history is important. Pragmatist. Yeah, I just wanted to add on to that. If, if we can't look at our own lives as a microcosm and judge from the mistakes we've made and make adjustments to live a better life that's truer to ourselves, then our, we can't lead our country that way. We have to... We, we have to be able to do that as a country, to look at the mistakes of our past, make adjustments. We don't have to judge the people of the past by today's standards, but we can make a forward progression. And I guess that's what makes me a progressive, is thinking we can look at the mistakes we made, we can fix them, and we can do better in the future. And if we deny the history ever happened, that's not going to happen. It's just going to mire down in more of this denial. It's Damn ridiculous. socialist. And the well, and the way, and Thespian, you're next. And the way that the Germans handled what happened in the Second World War is that they said it happened. They didn't deny that the Nazi movement happened. You go into museums, this happened. (laughs) And let's not have that. We have never said that about slavery. We've never said that about killing the indigenous population. We talk about Thanksgiving and how everybody came together and they gave us fish and we planted food, you know, and we talk about, oh, well, General Custer was there and these Indians killed him. And so we destroyed them. And that's why it was completely justified. You know, that's what they, they, that's what they teach. And that's not reality. Thespian. Finally, the woman gets to speak. Um, (laughs) Well, it is women's month. Yeah. Thanks for letting me speak at the end. Uh, The, uh, so, What it seems as though it's not that they aren't talking about it. They've just had to dumb it down and allow everybody to move up there. They everybody has to make it through. We're all going to dumb it down. We don't have time to teach critical thinking. We don't have time to teach things that you know, how to write a good paper, how to, how to have good grammar, how to differentiate between there, there, and there, or two, two, your, and your, your, and your, (laughs) and your, and your, and your, and your, and your, although if you just say it differently, you can absolutely differentiate, but whatever (laughs) it's still, I, you know, they, they try to cram so much information onto not to uh, not to discount uh, higher education at all but in developmental years where you really do start to realize you know that history could repeat itself they just say that as an anecdote in a passing sentence and moving on to this next thing 
like there there is no critical thinking enforced in the American education system. So the pragmatist kind of touched on it. I think it was I forget it was a pragmatist of Canadian. One, one, one of you two touched on how much time was spent learning about battles and generals and things. I think it was Canadian. Um, I, I don't think any of that should be taught in school. Maybe if you're going to college for military history, maybe that's the time in which you learn it. But like in terms of like elementary and, and, and high school, you should be taught, okay, and this battle happened on this day. And here's what happened from that. And here's why it was mm-hmm. it was politically significant and historically significant. Yeah. No time like my my US history class in high school was literally just the Peter Sellers World War II special. <laughs> like it was atrocious. It was just the CBS special for an entire semester. It wasn't even Ken Burns. You know? No, it was god awful. But but my point is this, uh, we and, and I think it's part of the whole American myth, right? It's this idea that we teach about all these wars because America won the war and that's what America does. And then they, you know, v- the Vietnam War is a day. And then, well, yep. you know, we kind of, you know, called it good and left. And then the Korean War is like, oh, well, it wasn't really a war, so we didn't lose. Like, it, but we spend weeks and months just hammering on how great we were in World War II. And that, that, that's everything. Like, But they no. don't talk about how the women worked in the factories. They don't talk about how there were, you know, how, how their move, how basically the women's movement, uh, people who, you know, could, who were riveting and all that and how they gave up their lives and all those things. They didn't talk about any of that stuff. I'm right there with you. Go ahead. They left out the historical cultural impact back home during the war. Like, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but something in my gut tells me that there was a significant shift in, the appreciation of, of people of color in the workforce during World War II as well, because yeah. you, you need labor. Like, I know you've got an entire brigade of people of color leading the fight in, in, in the army, right? Yeah. Like, they were a, a historically significant Tuskegee Airmen. There's all sorts of stories of, by necessity, breaking through certain cultural barriers because you'd need bodies. And, and that, like... That, it, that, what a great topic for the for the topic of war and history of understanding is, hey, all humans are human when bullets are flying. I don't care what the color of your skin is. You'll take a bullet for the buddy next to you and you'll send a few back. There you go. It doesn't I don't as long as you're all fighting on the same side, you're all equal. But we don't we don't teach that. Yeah. Canadian. And then uh, we got to talk about talk to men about dogs over here. Right. So, so I would say that the, the U.S. Army was one of the first government agencies to desegregate. There you go. Um, yeah. But, but that was not my point. My point was about education. And I don't know. I learned about World War II, and I learned about a thing called the Bataan Death March. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people have heard that name. Yep. They mm-hmm. marched 70,000 U.S. and Filipino soldiers 65 miles in the heat. Lots of people died. They didn't get water. They didn't get food. It was atrocious uh, uh, human the amount of human suffering in that. And then, and then you learn that maybe 80 years earlier, 100 years earlier, the U.S. marched all of the Cherokee and Native American peoples on the East Coast to uh, central Arkansas and Oklahoma, which is 1,600 miles on yep. foot. We and- just relocated them and force marched them that far where tens of thousands of people died. And and we don't we don't learn about that. And they don't teach about the Japanese internment camps either. Right. That there were Japanese internment camps in the United States. 
And they, they stole property and people from the well, they mentioned they were interned. They don't say, oh, yeah. And we gave all their property away to rich Americans. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, just from personal experience, when I was going through high school, learning about these things, we spent a little bit of time discussing both of them, a little bit of time. And that's progress. We didn't spend, we didn't spend near as much time on those things as we did on things like the Bataan Death March and the, right. and the, and the victories of the American uh, fighting in, in overseas, right? Like for, for freedom. Like, like there was so much time filleting the illusion of what America used to be mm-hmm. that we, again, like it doesn't matter how much you, how much time or how often you mention these atrocities we've committed, they are wildly overshadowed by yeah. this glorification of the illusion of past America. Yeah. yeah. And it's not that America is a terrible place, but no. to deny that we've done terrible things is wrong. Right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, America is, is not a terrible place and we have not, we have done terrible things, but we've reached our union break. Steve, I want to answer your question about elementary through high school and I'll come back to that after a short break. So let's take 15 friends. Make Steve wait. Man revolution with your host, the revolutionary and the comrade and Canadian and the thespian and the pragmatist. <sighs> this one doesn't have fo- uh, have any uh, carbonation to it, so it didn't make a good noise. Uh, oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. See if I can get some pour sound here. Oh, that was a good one too. So I'm drinking. Uh, hold on, I have to get around to where it says what the name of this one is. Uh, Yushima Coffee Company Oolong Tea. Uh, yes, I know. I'm only drinking one beer per show and it's, it's okay, everyone. I'm hoping that we can all get together soon and I can drink heavily during the show, but I have work to do after the show. And I found out that it takes much longer for me to do it after the show's over. If I've had four beers during the show, I have a 120 <sighs> minute. Or 90 minute. I have a 90 minute. I was going to say 90 no, minutes. I have some 120 minutes. They are cellared. Hmm. Ooh, this is actually yeah, pretty tasty. Is that what we're calling that? A yeah. cellar? Yeah. yeah. We're in okay. Florida. We don't have cellars. What is that? I'm drinking a Sweetwater Jack Hewer uh, Harvest Ale. You can't really wow. see it as much. Your camera's refusing. Yeah. Somebody got the 420 variety pack. It is awesome, and you should get it simply to no, drink the tail. train wreck. Mm. It, ah. is, it is worth the, the 16 is bucks for the three train wrecks. Uh, this is is, I, would, I would drink something called a train wreck. Yes. This is uh, Jack Hewer Harvestdale. Does anybody know mm. who Jack Hewer is? No. I certainly do. Yeah, You would know. So Jack Hewer's Harvestdale <laughs> is a hoppy red ESB ale with aroma and flavor notes of pine, citrus, and orange for a hint and a hint of pepper. Fit for the original emperor himself. Brewed and enjoyed in memory of Jack Herr. Jack Herr was one of the uh, forefront leaders for legalizing marijuana. Ah, absolutely. Yep, well, I was going to ask if the emperor had clothes or hadn't clothes. Oh, he uh, he wrote that book. Yeah. Oh well, then he hadn't clothes. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. He wrote a he wrote a book uh, in the '60s. The emperor has no clothes, which talks about how marijuana was made illegal, cannabis, sorry, cannabis was made illegal and how the public was manipulated and that no, no studies were ever done. None. But it's still on a class, you know, the class one narcotics list for some ridiculous reason. And then 
Ready for madness. It's it's really interesting we bring this up because there's actually an interesting kind of hyperbolic oh, story about uh, staffers from the White House being dismissed. We were getting week. there. I need the other. I need to be angry. I need well, the other. Okay, so, yes, I need the so, other two people to check in with their beers, and then yeah. we'll go on to on to the staffers. You still have Coors Light, right? I do, but I I do want to point out that I have it in my favorite. Oh, in the Adam one. That's a good one. Yeah. Because the bottles fit. In this nice beer. and pragmatist. And, uh, and I am drinking a uh, respect, respect craft uh, brew revisionist uh, IPA, which is a re-envisioned IPA, 6.6%. And it has a nice kind of a cherry citrusy flavor Ooh. to it. It's very mm. good. Mm. Nice. Very good. Comrade, what is this about the White House staffers being told to go home? Yeah, so uh, there's been kind of circulating via you know Facebook posts of so-called Twitter facts about uh, White House staffers being sent home for having smoked marijuana at some point in their past, mm. not necessarily while working there. A um, couple of things with this one that, that I think are worth pointing out. Number one, uh, the VP has a uh, quite, quite the track record when it comes to responding to people in possession of or in use of the marijuanas. Um, also, none of them were actually fired. Uh, mm. They were all told to go home Work from home. We will give you a period of time in which you can clean yourself up, demonstrate by drug tests that you are not currently using, passing that drug test and agreeing to future random drug tests will allow you to continue to work with the, with the staff here in the White House. I, I, I want to point out before the private uh, so you're going to point out that it is legal fully legal in the District of Columbia? Is that what you were going to point out? Uh, I, actually, I wanted to point out that yeah. there were actually five ah. staff members who were who lost their jobs but oh, okay. all of these staff members during their interview process were told it's okay if you've used cannabis in the past mm -hmm. just be truthful mm -hmm. and then they use this information against the against them mm -hmm. at this point and so some which, were relocated elsewhere not in the white house but it seems very draconian well it's that and that brings me to kind of kind of the point about uh, the vice president and and, and President Biden, which is this, neither of them are representatives of the of the progressive movement in America. They are not the progressive representation we wanted in Washington. No, the, all of the people on the right, like Steve from the first half of the show, who seem to think that by that President Biden is uh, OMG uh, liberal Jesus, doesn't understand that they were by far the shortest straw. We, yeah. we wanted nothing to do with them as representation of the actual progressive movement for fixing things in this country. They were merely what the platform gave us and turned out to be a pretty good pick because we were able to unseat the orange menace. Yeah. But they are not progressives. They are not liberals. They are hardcore entrenched centrists. And Kamala Harris in particular has a really bad track record with uh, marijuana possession in the state of California as the attorney general. Yeah. Uh, which was one of the major marks against her, really. <laughs> as that a Californian. Said, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, as a Californian. That being said, even with these centrists in office, we stand a good chance of having a national a legalization take place in the next four years. I could see it possibly happening. Because uh, so the discussion will occur. 
So yeah. what, what needs to happen? This is a rather layered discussion. There is no yes or no on this one, unfortunately. What needs to happen is the federal government needs to decriminalize the marijuana as, as a drug, right? That, that's what needs to happen. Uh, once that happens, that opens up the – well, no, the biggest issue, the biggest thing holding back the industry right now is no business can actually put their finance – their business finances in a bank, because banks won't touch weed money. It doesn't matter how legal it is in your state, city, county. Uh, because the federal government still considers it illegal and a bank operates through a federal regulations, they can't touch that money. So that's step one. There are many other things from there, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, I would like to point out that to change its status does not take an act of Congress. So True. an executive branch decision could say, yeah, we're going to knock it off with a class one narcotic and uh, make it, if not legal, less severe. Yeah. Well, I, I would like to point out that the draconian anti-cannabis laws that are in place now were put in place as a control of inferior races mm -hmm. to put them in jail. So you, yep. you, you want to get somebody on a chain gang? who can do free labor for you or labor for 25 cents an hour, you arrest them, put them in prison, and then you've got forced labor at, at really low price. And, and that's what these laws are for. And that is what needs to be addressed because right. this is the systemic racism that we're talking about that is throughout the system. And yeah. the only reason that there are laws that control what drugs people consume is to control people and keep them from voting and keep them you know, there, make them the source is, of cheap labor. Yeah. There is an aspect of public health. You know, we, we, we talked about a, a lot about public health in the first half of the show. There are a number of drugs that have been demonstrated to be nothing but detrimental um, outside of a medical environment. And I, I think that... You mean like alcohol and cigarettes? Yeah, but, and, yeah sure. Yeah. Uh, or, or yeah. And then Oxycontin. But, Oxycontin. Right. Uh, right. Or, anything, or anything a doctor can prescribe, yeah. Yeah, so so what I'm getting at is right. It's not about THC. It's about every drug, and I th I think that you know to the pragmatist point, our laws are draconian. They 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 don't exist from a position of public health. They exist from a position of of legislative morality, which is not what we need. Public health laws are justifiable and backed by science. Uh, legislative morality is garbage. Yeah, and one of the things that we could do, and and it would actually create less. We could take power away from cartels if we would legalize certain narcotics and take the power away from these traffickers from being able to sell them in this uncontrolled manner. You know, uh, people who, you know, m drugs are being traveled across the borders illegally because, you know, they, they want to, you know, they, there's because a there's a market for them. So the biggest problem that we have is that if we want to remove that power from those those illegal cartels, remove their power, make the drug legal, and then we'll produce it right here in America. Hell, there are places all, all across the South that would just love to grow all kinds of uh, legal marijuana, you know, cocaine and everything else, uh, opium, you know, just grow it all and, and sell it off. But the corn farmers are probably terrified. <laughs> uh, Canadian, uh, Canadian, and then pragmatist. Uh, to, to that, to that point, that's how you how you control all vices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, same thing with sex work. Right. Mm -hmm. If if you legalize it, 
you license it, you register it, now you have control over it, and it becomes something that's much safer and much less funneling organized crime and 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 but that's money, bad for business. Putting money back into the tax system so that we can fund drug treatment and healthcare and all that other kind of stuff. So it makes sense to me to do that with with uh, with drugs. And as as uh, not Rand Paul's who's Rand Paul's father? Ron Paul. RuPaul. RuPaul. Ron Paul once said. If you legalize heroin, it's not like everyone's going to run out and do it. Right. Uh, I I noticed a couple of things that once I moved to a state where it was legal, the desire to do it was not as as great as it had been when it was a, a part of my uh, revolt, you know, a part of my uh, rebellion. And uh, I also wanted to point out that the drug cartels in Mexico are taking over the avocado business because they see the writing on the wall. It looks like the Mexican government is going to legalize marijuana completely in the in all of Mexico. And so when that happens, they're going to lose a big market or they're going to have to like sell it at stores or something. But they're taking over avocado fields and, and pressing avocado farmers into their service now as like slave labor. So you you know, they'll the- find something. And then I don't know about you guys, but I eat four or five avocados a week because I have to. Do you want to buy some avocados? I live in California. Do you want so some? It's law. Yeah, it's law. Right. Yeah, it is law. Uh, yeah. I also. You want, you want some guac, man? <laughs> want some guac? Guac's extra. It's a texture thing. I don't like it. Anyway, <laughs> um, the uh, I would also like to clarify that they don't just grow opium. You you bloom a beautiful poppy flower. If anybody has watched Wizard of Oz, you get beautiful fields of poppies. All right? Like, come on. It makes it makes her fall asleep in her dream after being hit in the head <laughs> in the tornado. Anyway. <laughs> you watch Wizard of Oz, comrade. Wizard of Oz, like, yeah. Why are you no, looking at I'm me just, like I'm just wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> yeah, where are you going I with mean, this one? just might as well legalize all of it. Well, no. So legalize so and tax. Common, legalize and tax. So, so the libertarian trope is actually something I quite agree with. Legalize all of it, regulate it, and tax the crap out of it. Absolutely. Uh, I think- and, and, and I think one of the – and forget drugs. One of the most profitable businesses you could probably you – could, you could possibly legalize that would also fix quite a lot of issues outside of you know, the, the end consumer – is the sex industry? Oh, absolutely, uh, sex work. Wait, hold on. Yeah, I was going to say senators. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. So, like, when you consider you know human trafficking concerns and minors being abused and and uh, drug addiction, uh, 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 there's a strike because I forgot the word conditioning. Uh, you know, c- conditioning girls who are basically slaves to you to need you for a fix to stay alive, and then selling their bodies. All of these things are, hero- are, 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 are horrendous and atrocious uh, crimes against humanity. And if we just made it legal and, and provided uh, – here's another argument for, uh, for uh, uh, United Healthcare, Provide them with a level of care of health so you can go see somebody who has a certification that says, I'm healthy. You know, legalize like, it, regulate it, and tax it. Yeah, exactly. So, comrade, yeah. you, you uh, have – Wait, hold on. Go ahead. Go ahead. I had one more thing. Uh, I – Specifically, remember remember when my old, when a former roommate of the same name moved uh, to Oregon. Your roommate did, was named the Thespian. Yes, 
She was. Uh, if we're getting here through sex work, I wouldn't know. I, I, I yeah, this is, yeah. No, I can yeah. only wait. I can only wait. No, so she, she went, she had gone to visit friends who lived over there. And um, they went to a dispensary. And she learned Oregon doesn't have sales tax. They only tax on their marijuana. And it's like 25% or something like that. However, the prices that she said she paid for that were like maybe $10 more than like a normal, like a the standard price down her, here. Her, her, corner, her corner dealer. Right. And, and it's like, and that funds everything else. So why, so why would that not be a good idea? So to that point, I think there's a really interesting argument to eliminating, you know, income tax, eliminating all sorts of other taxes, and instead having a vice tax, which is to say sin tax, sin tax, know, sin tax. Sure, yeah. It, um, you F-I. take home every penny of your paycheck, and if you buy bread and water, you never pay tax. If you buy cheese and oats, you're good. But if you want soda. If you want no, no, no. marijuana, what beer? beer. Oh, no, no, no. I'm getting there. <laughs> okay, so, you know, sugar water, yeah. beer, uh, uh, liquor, uh, Mercedes Benz. Like, there's a point. Like, there's like a base level of like what's reasonable and necessary, and then everything above that. There's a progressive tax scale, and you end up with a VAT system, just like they have in Europe. Yep. And you know exactly what you're paying for, and exactly how much it's going to cost out the door. But you keep every penny of what you earn working, and you can choose how much tax you want to pay. Oh, and by the way, there's no dodging it. Yeah. You buy a five hundred million dollar house. Guess what? There's a eighty-five percent tax on that. And, and you notice there's not a lot of people from the GOP complaining about the fact that fourteen hundred dollars showed up in their bank accounts. But yet they complain about having to pay taxes. Yep. On the other side. Go ahead, Canadian. So so I would be okay with discussing that sort of system if it was on everything. Yep. Yes, everything. No, and, and by everything I mean the stocks you buy. Yep. Yep. Um every time you buy a stock, you pay a tax on it. Every so, time you buy some you sell it, you get money back, that's fine. You buy another one, you pay a tax on it. Yeah, if but, but you have just, that it, flat tax on everything. Flat tax doesn't—it's it, not a flat. No, 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 no. The VAT tax. Well, you're saying if you had a certain percentage on everything mm-hmm. that's purchased. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And but and there would be a distinction between things like a four hundred one k stock purchase or or a long term investment purchase than there would be from no, simply you, day trading. If, right? If, There's if, an easy distinction. No, no. If you if you paid say a ten percent tax on everything you bought. Huh. Whether it was a stock or not, if you held it ten years, you only paid ten percent when you bought it. You're not yeah, paying right. on the profit, right? Right, and and you presumably can't deduct the losses on it because we're not doing income tax deductions. You're just paying a transaction fee. So day traders are paying a whole lot of tax to day trade. Right, the thespian is jumping out of her skin. You're also muted. No, I'm just <laughs> now realizing, look, I have a, an entirely blue arm. I'll just fully extend <laughs> to raise my hand. Um, yeah, no. Um, I feel like if we're going to have this much taxation, we're going to need a whole lot more representation. No, no. It's discretionary taxation because you have a choice. 
If you don't want to pay sales tax, you buy the bare basics of everything and you don't pay a penny in tax. And if you want the fancy stuff, you make it yourself. You want liquor? Create a distillery. You got to go through all the licensing and everything. We're not taking that away. But if you, you want to make yeah. cheese, buy some cheese. You want, if you want weed, you pay the, the tax on the purchase of the seed and you grow it yourself and you don't pay tax on And the product. tax on the planter and the soil. And, well, yeah, whatever And else, the water, but, I guess. No, but, I, but, but growing things creates victory gardens is not taxable. That's a base thing. Yeah. Victory gardens. Wow. That, yeah. That came, I learned about those in my American Girl Molly books. Yeah, Education I mean, it's, comes it's from everywhere. It's based in World it's War II. Um, I would be curious on the math. Uh, keep yeah, it would, be, it would be fascinating. Curious on the map of that. Because Indeed. I would love for the CBO to, to tackle this because it's complicated. What, what happens with things like the flat tax and with sales tax even, or even the VAT, is they're very regressive. They hit mm -hmm. people with lower incomes way more than people with upper incomes, right? And and proportionally, no, way more than people with upper incomes. Um, it is so much. Oh, more I see what you mean. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's it's a bigger impact on them yes. than it is with people right. with incomes. Yep. Right. Yeah. They're if still going to pay seventeen percent on the coke. Right? right. Right. But but if you're making. 10 grand a year, that 15% hurts a lot more mm -hmm. than it mm -hmm. does if you're making 2 million a year. Right. So, and, and after a certain point, there's only so many things you can buy that mm -hmm. you're going to be paying VAT on. Yep. So the rest of it is discretionary stuff that you're not paying it on. It's mm -hmm. travel, it's stock, it's, you know, property. And, and that's and, where this is really complicated, right? There's a sliding scale for all of it, but our tax code is already impossibly complicated but, and, and completely impractical. But having a tax on everything means yeah. that people that uh, buy stock and trade also pay that same tax, and that levels out the blanket. So getting back to the impact of legalization, legalizing everything, yeah. including sex work, we wouldn't have had incel neck fuzz in Atlanta <laughs> right. if sex work was legal. True. That's well. That's a that's a big jump because maybe he can't afford it. Well, but he obviously afforded it because he was paying well, some of these massage parlors for the happy endings. So yeah, fair. you yeah, know. But, but but I think he still he he's a special case. You probably still would have had him or someone like him because he blamed his problem on the race the, of the other people. The, yeah. The, hypersexual Asian women he can yeah. control himself. Right. He just spends too to much time him. on 4chan. That's yeah. nothing to do with we, well, well, again, he spent too much time in fundamentalist yeah, indoctrination. There, there's, yeah. there's a lot of that, but he blamed yeah, it said. on them and he didn't see them as equal human beings, therefore it was okay to kill them. So what we need to work on is a lack of prohibition of these things. Yes. And a way to solve that problem is a concept, which I wanted to talk about last week, but I want to, I'll bring it up now, a concept called harm reduction. Ah. Now, harm reduction doesn't mean you get rid of everything. It, it means that an alcoholic can have a drink every now and again mm -hmm. and still understand that they don't have 50 drinks, you know, and, and the whole concept is that it, it's a bunch of policies that help a range of health and social services to, you know, kind of wean people back off of things like illicit drugs. 
And it's the reduction of harm, not only to the individual, but to society in general. So what we need to do is, is the, the right wing has this whole prohibition of everything. Okay. Prohibition of having sex with someone outside of a marriage, period. End of story. You're done. That's, 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 that's against God. Okay. So therefore, uh, Only you know, sometimes. no, 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 it's always a hundred percent. If you look at the rules, the rules say bad, yeah, but a wide stance, predicates, <laughs> but, but yeah. it's prohibition. You know, there's only two sexes and that's it. You know, we can't talk about gender. It's only sex, you know, because that limitation is there. So we need to talk about how we can do some harm reduction for the right wing. Because we need to allow, we need to bring them over a little bit, just a little tiny bit away from them saying we need to prohibit everything to, well, everybody can do a little bit of something and it's okay. Uh, go ahead, comrade. Y'all are both jumping at me. So, no, no. Harm, harm, bringing up harm reduction is an excellent topic because there are some really basic things we can do as methods of harm reduction. Things like affordable housing. Yep. Things like accessible mental health care, things like medical care access. All of these things are harm reduction. Vices are largely sought as a, as a form of self-medication for an internalized issue. Uh, I can speak to that at great length. Um, a lot of it has to do with trying to find a coping mechanism in a method that is both acceptable and affordable to you in your particular situation. Alcohol is a lot easier to get to than a therapist and a lot cheaper. I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Yes. Uh, uh, here, here. I don't, know how, I, I don't know how to yes and a frontal lobotomy. I'd rather have Ted Cruz in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Ooh. I mean, like, but, but, but the thing is, right, is if uh, you, I've, we've talked about this before, and I, and I truly believe this is my core. Uh, that if we raise the floor, right, you take the lowest in our society, those who need the most help, and you create a structure that holds them up to a base level of quality of life, you drastically reduce uh, substance abuse harm, you drastically reduce self-abuse harm, you drastically reduce violence acting out against others as a method of coping with a trauma. All of these things go way down. Cry, uh, 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 general crime goes down. Prison population drops. All of these things are, are huge costs on the taxpayer's dime that can go away by creating a cheaper and simpler flat plane of everyone to start from. And the GOP should get behind this because of all of those fiscal reasons. Could you imagine <laughs> how many voters they would get if they decided to do that? Canadian. Canadian. Uh, First of all, I would like to. I have like three points. Yes. First of all, I'd like to say my job is done, comrade. <laughs> uh, um, You've done well. Second of all, I'm going to steal general crime as my next ED character. Perfect. Um, <laughs> you have until tomorrow. No, Sunday. <laughs> and and thirdly, um, we the 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 crux of the problem. What we need to do. All of this is great. Is we need to teach. Uh, conservative people of conservative mindset. Hmm. I'm not going to call them Republicans. No, but that's generally who they vote for. To care about people they don't know. Yes. Right. They, Good luck they, with that. They need <laughs> to take this religion they believe in to heart and care about the other people that don't have as much as them. 
and clearly religion isn't working. We need to find some other mechanism to educate them that let them know that you are caring about them by taking care of them. And you too will then be taken care of. There, there's a fascinating, and I believe I brought this up before, there's this fascinating effect of um, being the hero. Right, right-wing people love being the hero to an individual, but they cannot sustain chronic sympathy, which is to say understanding that many people across many backgrounds <coughs> all have problems that we can actually help with. And it's not the result of individual choices. From a personal level, right, uh, the thespian and I were actually speaking with my family a little while ago, not recently, um, and, and about healthcare. I was like, when? What were no, you no, 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 <laughs> not recently. Uh, not recently. We talk about healthcare. And uh, my, my parents have a staunch, right, very right-wing viewpoint. Uh, it's a thing you can afford if you can. If you can't afford it, that sucks. Sucks to be you. And the thespian went on a very heartfelt and and in rather traumatic telling of what it is to actually be poor, what it is to live in America when you are scraping pennies to pay rent and keep the power on, never mind affording healthcare to go to a doctor. And, and the thing that a lot of people forget is just having health insurance doesn't wipe the cost of going to the doctor. You pay $300 a month for insurance and you still have to pay co-pays and all this other stuff. And most people don't have 300 spare dollars to go to the doctor next week. Let alone 30. Right. And so, life so. shouldn't be a luxury. Exactly. That, yeah. that's, that's exactly. But, but the, the reason I brought that up is this. The moment that heart-wrenching personal account came to fruition in this conversation, the tone of my parents changed drastically. And everyone who, was, who opposed the viewpoints that we extol here on the show, they all changed drastically, but only for the thespian. Oh, if you ever need help, you just call. We're here for you. We're family. We can help you. All this crap is like, cool. But what if we asked you to pay $50 more a month in tax? <laughs> yeah, that's like, going to people fucked. who don't deserve it. The, the, the thing, it's sort, of, it's sort of my, believe it or not, my, my pet peeve, my, mm. my personal uh, thing that I really, in my twilight years, should get involved in, is 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 houselessness. People who mm-hmm. are who don't have a residence, mm-hmm. and for let's let's leave the chronically mentally ill out of it, mm-hmm. and the people who don't want to be uh, want to be housed, the purposely home houseless, the, the deliberately houseless, yeah. Um, it is a solvable problem, and it has been proven to be solved in other countries, and it's solved cheaply with mm-hmm. respect to how much it costs to have and, and, and deal with the houseless people in our current society. The impact they have on businesses, the impact they have on infrastructure, the impact they have on policing, the impact they have on jails, it's way cheaper to put them in apartments and have the government pay for it. Per head, we have more house, more roofs than people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We haven't, we have more than the space to house every single person in this country. We choose not to. Yeah. And, and it's, it's merely a lack of will and this conservative mindset that they're not deserving <laughs> or they would have a house. And and we shouldn't we shouldn't support people who don't deserve it. And it's like, you you are just not Christian, are you? And and it 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 ah oh, it 
bothers me tremendously. Mm-hmm. So I, I grew up in a, a church, not quite as strict as say maybe Some the comrade us. or the pragmatist. <laughs> we were allowed to dance and clap. Um, Satan. Satan. I know. Uh, so it, right. It's just, Ridiculous, we all right? know that dancing um, leads directly I just, to sex. I, I, in trying to discuss any kind of religion with my parents, the things that I took away from, I, you know, Jesus, I, Jesus and I know each other, but we do our own thing. And, <laughs> um, I, and, and what I took away from that was just basic good morals, care about other people, just in general, care about other people because Jesus would do that. So in in the overall grand scheme of how life should work, a Christian should be able to understand that giving a shit about any person, when they say, my church understood, when they say love thy neighbor, they don't mean your actual next fucking door ne- neighbor. Like, they... That was my first strike. It's fine. Um, the like they know that it doesn't mean just Linda. Okay, it means Becky everybody too. else. Bab, bab. Like I, you know, they. It should be one of those understood things that hey, we are not caring about our other people, our other yeah. people living in this country. The, the That's wor- what we are meant to do. The word you're anyway, looking for sorry. is oh, I, the yeah. word you're looking for yes. is empathy. Go ahead, pragmatist. Yes, that's, <laughs> thank you for saying what I was waiting five minutes to say. The word you were trying to the, the word comrade was hitting on when he said sympathy was actually empathy, which is the ability to conceptualize what the other person is actually going through. I, I actually, I disagree in a, because, in a visceral level. Yeah. Well, I disagree um, because sympathy is necessary for systemic change. Empathy is impossible in a system. Right. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to say was, comrade, do you know why Church of Christ people never have sex standing up? It looks too much like dancing. <laughs> <laughs> no dancing. So, so my, my, point, my point is, and this is... You got to leave six inches for Jesus. This is, <laughs> that's no problem for me. Um, this, this is directed at the revolutionary. And it's, why don't we have like a button that you can push that puts that big red X like on the Hollywood <laughs> I, I will every work time, on that. Every That's, time we strike, yeah, yeah. we just get with an X. I, I'm working yeah. on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> We're not that sophisticated yet. Although we run everything I could through OBS be the and then person who is on point with that button. Yes, yeah. yes. You are good you at know, that. If we hadn't gotten rid of Flash, you could do a transparent overlay. But hey, who am I? What do yeah. I know? What do we know? What's this Flash you speak of? <laughs> what is that? Oh, it's I... an old technology oh, that we... the ancients used. Yes. Chrome yeah. doesn't know them. Oh. Yeah, Des- yeah uh, DeSantis doesn't want us to use no. it. No. <sighs> Good old Ron Death Sentence. <laughs> so yeah, Death Sentence. Yeah, so no Death Sentence. Yeah, Governor so do Death Sentence. Um, uh, well done. Am I the asshole? Oh, ooh, that would be good. I'm in that mood tonight. Um, oh, comrade, would you like some, to be? I, would I'll you like to find an asshole? There you go. While we're doing that, while we're doing that, we can talk about some well dones. But remember, but before we do that, remember everyone that that one of the things that we should take away today is that all of the tragedy that occurred in Atlanta, 
the tragedy that occurs when people are confronting others about mask wearing and making a medical issue, a health issue, a public health issue uh, into something that is political. All of these things could be handled if we would just have a bit of empathy. That's one. And to understand that we don't have to eliminate something to make change. So reducing oh, harm answers? is different. Go ahead. Did we have to, no, did we, we have didn't answer Steve's question. Um, Steve's question was about uh, a, a curriculum, and after reading it uh, during the break, I decided not to answer it. Okay. And since it's okay. since it's my show, I decided not to answer. I, it. I just I just realized we never did. Yeah. And, uh, um, he but, basically but, made he alluded to the fact that what we should do is have an indoctrination of K through twelve. And then college is the first time you're allowed to think on your own, which to me, yeah, I don't yeah. think we well, should do oh, that. So, so I, I decided that that was something I didn't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So Steve, That's... that is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, but that was my, that was, yeah. So we just move on from that. That's why I wanted to talk about harm reduction. So if you can see, if you see someone that's having trouble, go ahead and understand that they don't have to stop a hundred percent what they're doing because that's hard. You know, removing something, a heroin addict, giving up a higher heroin cold turkey, it can kill you. So reduce the amount of heroin you're on and maybe, you know, do something else, you know, instead of that. And get help to do that. And get help to do it. It's also hard to do it in isolation. Yeah. And if you're like roommates that you can only afford are doing heroin, it's really hard not to to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as as a person that grew up in the... 80s uh during you know some different things i can safely say that if you didn't have to inject it into a vein i pretty much did whatever in when i was in college and uh you know and and it is very simple and very easy to get involved with all of these different substances and to find the substance that makes the most sense for you and for people to say that substance is bad, this substance over here is good, when they're both available to you, uh, is problematic. So I think that the, the most sensible thing to do to reduce the emo- greatest amount of harm in our society is to legalize literally everything, you know, and make sure that people have access to proper health and mental care. And Com- regulate the access. That's right. Reg- yeah. Regulate and, and, and tax it. Regulate and tax it. Absolutely. Or the other side that needs. Colorado makes made a billion dollars their first year that they uh, deregulated marijuana. So, Incredible. Yeah. So go ahead, comrade. What you got? So the just a reiteration of the rules for oh. those who maybe are joining us for the first time or playing this game for the first time. I'm going to ask the original posters question. And you have the choice of either they are not the asshole, they are the asshole, everybody sucks here, or nobody's the asshole. Hmm. Then I will read the actual de- the, the, the description and we'll go from there. The original question. Am I the asshole for keeping a large savings account away from my husband? Oh, as a person that did this to their spouse... I'm going to say they are not the asshole. Pragmatist. As, as a person who did this to his spouse, <laughs> because his spouse didn't have any ability to record financial traction, transactions she made, <laughs> I'd say no. Uh, you're not an asshole for holding on to your money if you don't know what's going to happen to it. I, I, I don't think so. 
Canadian. Canadian. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that you're not the asshole, but I'm gonna put a caveat in that we don't know that it was her money she was squirreling away. So, mm-hmm. thespian. But I still don't think that that's wrong. Thespian. <laughs> All right. Okay. So. If I were in any other relationship than the one I am in, I would say, no, they're not the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the caveat. That's a good I also, caveat. I, I, I do want to emphasize the, the kind of relationship that I am in. Um, I am 100% truthful and trustful of my relationship to the point that I, I would want to know all finances. You know, I, I don't, I don't pry, uh, you know, whatever he chooses to divulge to me is, is his business. But I, but at the same time, I, you know, if I'm going to commit to a relationship um, I, that is in, in my heart going to be for life. I would want to know what else, like, why, why would you be hiding something like that? Mm-hmm. And that thus makes me feel like they are an asshole. <laughs> comrade, comrade. So, I don't have any money squirreled away. Uh, <laughs> okay, great. That, Thanks, love you. That that she knows of. Go ahead, continue, comrade. Yeah. Uh, so, do you, do you have any debts that she doesn't know about? Actually, That's no, not at this one. point. Yeah. Um, so, here is how the original poster's actual post goes. My husband is a big spender. Whenever we have money to spare, he wants to buy something new for the house, She's or his you. car, or his boat. Wait, oh, I missed it. Wait, oh, wait, I'm late though. <laughs> Do it yourself. For this reason, I have a secret checking account that I rarely use for purchases and I don't want him to know about. Uh-huh. I currently have about $10,000 that I've, I am saving for a family vacation for the two of us, my parents, and my daughters, his stepchildren. I know that if he sees how much money there is, he will want to spend it, especially with our vacation so far in the future because of COVID. Recently, my daughter wanted to go to a concert in August, but she's broke. So I agreed to pay for it with the agreement that she would get a job and pay me back before the concert, or I would be attending instead. I don't actually want to go, but this is good motivation for my daughter. My husband, my husband doesn't like me loaning her money because he feels she is too spoiled, even though she always pays the money back. So I let her buy the tickets with my secret card so he wouldn't know. Well, after she purchased the tickets, she left my debit card on the table. My husband came home to find my secret debit card and confronted me about it. Uh, I confessed that I was saving this for my vacation, but he was very mad that I would hide something so big from him and demanded to know how much was on the card. The husband, the husband is the asshole. I picked this one for the initial question, not for the actual prompt. It's pretty straightforward. (laughs) (laughs) The husband is the asshole. Yeah. The wife is not the asshole. Yeah, Yeah, not the asshole. Just to be clear. 
yeah. to the Canadian's point, we don't necessarily know where the money came from, but it's hard to say. Obviously, I, sex work, comrade. Oh, right, obviously. I mean, only yeah. fans. It's only, only fans. Uh, uh, excuse me, feet. why is that always just the go-to? <laughs> Because it's 2021. Because <laughs> it's 2021 and it's easy money during the pandemic and to make money on OnlyFans. OnlyFans doesn't imply okay, sex. OnlyFans. Well, it sure, only, impl- but- only implies sex. Yeah. And it's what? funny. Hang on. That's <laughs> Never mind. No, okay. no, no. Hey. Go on. Don't worry about me. Sex work is work. Sex work yes, is work. Yes, but at the same time, it doesn't, al- it doesn't always have to be immediately going to sex work. But it's a good joke. It's a good joke. It is a good joke, but quit making a joke. Quit being sexist. I'm the one woman here. For the record, I didn't go to sex work. I was I, trying to acknowledge the Canadian. I point. thought she was a gold digger, and that's that's all there is. <laughs> you did think she was a gold digger. That's right, you did. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> you thought worse of her than we did. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, but it's not clear point. from the, from the conversation that that's the case, and she is not wrong. No, to save money, it sounds yeah. like her her husband is somebody who spends all the money they have. Yeah, um, and and maybe they make Probably so much on money. Games. It's not it's not a problem, but she is trying to save from a she's from a different cut from a different cloth. Wants to save money before she spends it, and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. And his response should have been, "Oh, you've got a secret bank account." And she said, I'm saving it for a vacation. She's like, cool. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, see you later. Um, yeah. Great. Instead thinking. of getting getting upset about it. It's like, good. Glad one of us is saving. <laughs> Pragmatist. Uh, from my personal experience, <laughs> when I first got married, I was very young. When I first got married, we had a joint checking account. And I discovered when paying bills that she would write checks but never record them. So I didn't, and everything was analog then. So I didn't know that she had spent the money that was set aside to pay the bills until the checks started bouncing and I had to go around town. And after a couple of months of that, the next time, since I'm a gig worker, the next time I got a substantial check, I started a separate account. And then from that point on, I had my account. She had hers. I would ask her to contribute when she could. She would ask me to contribute when I could on things that we agreed on together. But but we kept our sep- our finances separate because that was the only way I could keep track of where the money was going. Yeah, my, my and, marriage... Uh, it sounds like this person in this situation was in a very similar position. My marriage took a turn when we started a, an account that was joint. Mm-hmm. So I had my accounts, my, my ex-wife had her accounts, and we had an account for the household. So we would put money in for... Each of us would put money in according to our percentage that we made. So if, if one of us made more than the other and it, at points in our careers, she made more than I did. So therefore she would pay a more significant portion of That's the bills than I did of you to let her make more money. Than you. It was very, <laughs> thank you, comrade. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, you know, and the, and the point at which that turned is when, she decided that it would be a great idea for us to get rid of those individual accounts and only have only have one account. And I did that, and suddenly Thanks. money disappeared. That was mine. And she had convinced me that the money was being... But that I was spending it, because, of course, I couldn't control my spending. 
you know, because I was, you know, I was, I was spending money on, you know, computing computers and, and, and gaming and things like that. And of course it was my fault. It it was, it was gaslighting is what it was, (laughs) but she was siphoning money away because she was planning on, on us no longer being together. And she wanted to make sure that she was set up. So it was one of those times where it's like, wow. And the, and again, to, to the thespians point, uh, if it would have been a hundred percent honest, then that would have been fine. But I was also like the pragmatist, uh, spouse is I wasn't big into writing things down, writing budgets, doing things like that because I kept track of it in my own head. And I knew that how much I was making, how much she was making. So how much money was in the account, you know? So to me, it wasn't that big a deal, but then suddenly checks are starting to bounce. And I'm like, how is that, how is that even possible? So yeah. So, you know, finances are the number one stressor in relationships in America because of our traditional roles that we have put up and conservative roles that, that have been put up gender roles that have been put up, you know? And so when the, and so when the comrades said, go back to the whole harm reduction thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if that's one of the primary forms of stress in relationships, that has to be strongly correlated with domestic violence. Yeah. By extension, the more stable you make American families and American households, the less domestic violence you have. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So I think I, 4, 4, thousand a month is a good place to start. Yes. Yeah, sure. 4000 a month. My life immediately became better once I started making a livable wage. Yep. Yeah. Like I, I, my worries, the, I still have worries. Don't get me wrong. But the stress level elevated as soon as I didn't actually have to apply and worry that I was not going to be qualified for food stamps. Yeah. You know, like how are you going to eat that? Ninety two dollars, ninety four, ninety two. I don't know. Less than one hundred dollars a month for food for myself. Like it. I the fact that I can spend more than a hundred dollars on a month's worth of food to actually feed myself. I know it doesn't look like I do. For those. <laughs> some people have, like I do people, some people have high metabolisms. It happens. I have a very fast metabolism. <laughs> I haven't had children. So, uh, hooray. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I was going to say that's a, that's something that can be no, fixed. I have three. I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. Fine. With your, no, I go think, with your well done. I think. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, you got well, we already well done. So I was just going to say Yang had a good idea. If we could just guarantee income to people, uh, then we could probably reduce the incidence of domestic violence. So, yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We lift people up out of poverty, we get better better citizens. But if we okay. keep people in poverty, they don't vote. They don't vote. The yep. And that's the key to staying in power. Yeah. Now, Thespian, what do you have as a well done? I have a few. I have three. I'll try and make it. I just held up four fingers. It's fine. Whatever. You can't see them anyway. Uh, uh, I have three. Um, okay, so the first one, I'm not sure if anybody else remembers this, um, but I remember back in 2018, there was a standoff between um, a gentleman and uh, and police where the gentleman was holding four children hostage, and at the end, it, it ended very tragically. Um, and well done? No, there was a... Sh- there. What the hell, man? Like, what? <laughs> 
Go, uh, go. Just keep going. Ignore him. Ignore him. Officer, there was an officer who was shot in the head, and he he had survived for um, quite a while, but he he died this week. So just because of that, I do feel as though it, even though he is a, a police officer, I do feel as though he was trying to save those children who unfortunately perished in that Um you know, so well done to Officer Valencia for his service, and he did try to make it. And you know, three years later, he unfortunately did not. Um, okay, on to number two. Uh, well done to Michael San Nicholas, who is the uh, Guam delegate. Um, he sent a basket of cookies to. I think we refer to her as WTF. Yeah, WTF. Uh, yes, because she doesn't apparently seem to know that Guam is part of the United States. Yeah. That it is a territory and has been for quite a while. They're there. Did, did he send them via USPS? No, they like showed up. They like tried to, and yeah, they showed up and she, they didn't get to talk to her, but they talked to an aide. They talked to, they talked to one of their, one of her aides. Um, but yes. So well done to them. There were a lot of people who reached out to her and they were like, Hey, you're dumb as fuck. I think that not knowing Guam is part of the U.S. is um, just the tip of the iceberg of things she does not know that should know. Representative QAnon WTF. She ran unopposed. She She ran unopposed. And almost didn't win. 74%. That's right. And still Um, almost didn't win. I actually do have a well done. Okay. Uh, To a group of people that have been largely ridiculed uh, uh, on the internet across the globe, uh, including here on the podcast a little bit. Wall Street Bets on Reddit has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars based on their GameStop profits for the Diane Fossey Gorilla Fund International. Six. <laughs> they have, in fact, adopted many gorillas because they, cool. afford, they, they refer to each other as apes. Yes. <laughs> yes. They, they, they donated almost a million dollars, almost a third, two thirds of a million dollars. It's $660,000. Yes. It's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Wow. To save okay, the gorilla. Based on meme stock. Yes. It's, it's yeah. just, it's the most Reddit thing ever. I yeah. love it. Absolutely. Well um, done. My final well done. Uh, only one child has died from the flu this season. In That's comparison, actually really incredible. Indeed, in comparison to 195 last season and 144 the season prior. Why? And that addresses one of Steve's questions. Steve yeah. was saying, uh, why is there less flu? Yeah, yeah. They do. Masks because work. kids aren't in school and everyone's yeah. and, wearing masks. And yes. people are wearing masks and it's yeah. less transmissible. There's less That's flu right. because we're taking pandemic yeah. precautions because they but work. It's, it, it, yep. There's just looking at the charts, like the actual yeah. charts of it is just, it's incredible to see one, just one. It's and dot. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and well done to uh, to Charlie Fernandez uh, for having a birthday. <laughs> yeah, well done. It was it was I think it's it's either today or yesterday. I can't remember. It I yesterday. saw it. I saw it go by. So so happy birthday to Charlie. He's been listening for a long time. Long time friend of the show. Long time friend of a group of us. 
Uh, so happy birthday, Charlie. So happy birthday, oh, Charlie. Th- those friendly confines trivia days. Oh yeah. Back in the, but he was there for the meltdown of uh, 20 complete obliteration of that friend group. 29, 2009, 2010. What year 2010. was that? 2010. Yeah. That was a great one. We'll tell that story Sorry, sometime. Never that. on the podcast. Yeah. yeah we'll never, never tell that no, one never. on the podcast. Well before my time. Yes. It was a, it was an incredible meltdown. Uh, it was legend. Wait for it. Dairy. Yes, it was. <laughs> it literally Relevant had to the time. It had a group of us that were saying things like, huh, you are in crisis. You should seek counseling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, was, it was an amazing time. It was an amazing time. Uh, but yes. So <laughs> happy birthday, Charlie. Uh, and uh, again, on that bombshell, uh, the One Man Revolution podcast. Uh, is on Spotify. <laughs> Every time. Every time you say it. Every time I get mad. Oh, go ahead, guys. Feel free. Keep charm chiming in. <laughs> I was going to do the whole thing again, but go ahead. I, do, Keep... I, I said tune in. I'll uh, tune Apple Podcasts because nobody else is speaking. OneManRevolution.org. <laughs> Google Podcasts. I, I thought it was .net, but what do I know? <laughs> .org. Oh. And, it, and all the show notes can be always found there. And we can be found here every Friday uh, unless we announce another day because Eventually, we're going getting to get back brunch together cast. once no, we are all. Brunchcast is going to be. I'm going to be yeah. really mad if you guys have it before we're allowed to get one. Oh no, no, we will not. We will. I, we will I have. Gonna, what's going to happen? Eighteen-year-old Canadian with a vaccine brunchcast. <laughs> yeah, you don't doubt it. Yeah. So once we're all vaccinated and all back in, we'll have a brunch cast, and we will all get hammered, and we will have a great time. So don't worry. And I'll um, join you. <laughs> and we will. Yes. We will absolutely have everyone join us. So uh, until next time. Uh, I'm the revolutionary. I'm the comrade. I'm the Canadian. I'm the thespian. And I'm still the pragmatist. And uh, all I have to say is Ted Cruz, Donald Trump. <laughs>